In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off limits. I'm David James Young, and this is Newcastle Month. David James Young here. Welcome back to All My Friends Are In Bar Bands for the final week of Newcastle Month. Oh, what a journey it's been. I hope you've enjoyed all of the episodes. I really appreciate all the positive feedback and the shares and any kind words that have been thrown mine or the guest's way. (laughs) However you choose to enjoy this podcast is 110% okay with me. Before we get into our final episode, let's quickly go through our plugs for this week. If you're listening to it the day it comes out on Thursday, May the 28th, Mr. Ben David, the first ever guest of this podcast, is in town tonight playing a solo set at Vic on the Park in Marrickville. He is also in town playing a show with his band, The Heartaches. Heartaches have just released their debut album, which is called Pheromones, and you can pick that up over at anchorhead.com.au, Anchorhead Records being his label. So yes, The Heartaches will be playing on Friday night at Blackwire Records, and that's going to be with Hannah Band and Sweater Season, which is the new shoegazy side project for Jacob and Dylan from Oslo. Not to be confused with Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son. <laughs> I just realised that as I was saying it. Uh, Richard and Your Mind are in town. They are touring the song High Five from their latest album, which is a, a catchy and very fun little song. Catchy and fun little band. They're playing at Rad tonight in Wollongong, and they're also playing on Saturday night at Newtown Social Club with Jody and Shining Bird. Also want to give a quick shout out to Daniel Johns, a childhood hero of mine, who is playing at the Sydney Opera House tonight and tomorrow. And uh, his drummer for this tour is a very good friend of mine, Mr. Dave Jenkins Jr., who you may have seen playing drums for Andy Bull, Kieran J. Callanan, or maybe even Reese Maston. Yes, he has played for Reese Maston. No shit. He's a very, very talented guy, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table for this particular tour. On Friday night, Mowgli are playing their last show for quite some time. They'll be out of the game until at least September, from what I'm hearing. So if you want to catch them one last time, they are playing at the Red Rattler in Marrickville with Suburban Hayes out of Newcastle, Jacob out of Wollongong, and Sydney band Laps, who are a brand new band. This is one of their first ever shows, so definitely get along to support that particular crew. 
Jeremy Neal out of Brisbane is also going to be in town. He is playing a midnight set at Waywards, which is upstairs at the Bank Hotel in Newtown. He will also be doing a DJ set earlier on in the evening. It's free entry, so get down and hang out with the adorable Jeremy Neal. On Saturday, Against Me are in town. They are here for the first time in over two years. And they are here with Joyce Manor, which is absolutely fucking wonderful. It's going to be a hell of a time. So, it all kicks off on Saturday night at the Metro Theatre in Sydney with Mere Women opening. They'll also be playing on Sunday at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle and Monday night at the Wollongong University Unibar with Jacob. Also in town this weekend is Kissing Booth, former guests of the show out of Melbourne. They have also just dropped their debut album. It's called Never Settle. You can pick that up over at kissingbooth.bandcamp.com. I've linked it on the Facebook page, but uh, in case you haven't checked it out yet, I strongly recommend that you do. It is a wonderful album. And I think Lincoln did Lincoln Lefever did an absolutely fantastic job on the production. I think the band themselves did a fantastic job on the songwriting. I've been waiting to hear some of these songs recorded for quite some time now. So it is an absolute thrill to support this band every single time they are in town. So they'll be playing on Saturday night at the Record Crate in Glebe, and also playing on Sunday afternoon at Blackwire Records. And both of those shows are going to be with Footscray's own employment, who are a fantastic band that I've only had the opportunity to see once in the past, so I'm very much looking forward to catching up with that band. As you probably know by now, this week's guest is the incredibly elusive Jen Buxton. There's nothing to plug here, there's no album to plug, there's no shows really to plug, except you can see her on the last Sunday of pretty much every month, playing at the Hamilton Station in Newcastle, of course. But yeah, she's not on Twitter, she's not on Facebook, I don't even have her number, she's just a very, very hard person to get to, but I'm really glad that we were able to make this work. This was recorded minutes, (laughs) within 10 minutes of uh, the interview from last week finishing with Mr. Benjamin Lautitz, her dear, devoted and loving husband. But yeah, Jen has been one of my heroes for a very long time. I admire everything she does as a songwriter and as a person, and I was absolutely thrilled to get to talk to her about all things JB that's gone down over the years. Some saucy stories from the Like Alaska days, and uh, some great, great stories about a beautiful, beautiful family that we're mutually acquainted with. So, uh, yes... I'm really sad to see Newcastle month ago, but uh, thanks to everyone in Newcastle for all the love. I I will be back. I don't know when, but uh, I will definitely be back up there soon, patting all of your dogs, scaring all of your children, and doing all of your karaoke. But until then, here's a chat with my friend, Jen Buxton.
Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Jen Buxton. Hi. How are you, love? I'm good. I just woke up from an accidental nap, but other than that, I'm doing... <laughs> Aren't the best snaps accidental? Let's call Spence, baby. Yeah, look, I if I'm not working or being a mum, I'm asleep. So I've got a lot of nap experience. I'm I'm down with a surprise nap. <laughs> it's a good it's a good mix of multitasking, isn't it? <laughs> well, any any parent will tell you that if you get to be asleep, that's what you're going to want to go for. So yeah, hundred percent. I'm feeling vaguely rejuvenated and slightly disoriented. <laughs> Ready to face the day. That's a great album title. Uh, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> I can only assume there's a lot. I just have to write the songs, yeah. It's the only thing standing in my way. It's like that Fallout Point thing. You know they thought of the titles first and oh, the songs so second. much. Yeah. Now I've got to write one called this. Fuck. Yeah, why not? Uh, we are in the lovely home of Miss JB and Mr. Ben Loudon, who was on last week. Uh, thank you so much for having me. That's all right. Sorry about all the cat hair. We... It's fine. You know, <laughs> Elliot has asserted his dominance. He's the, he runs this roost, especially when the kid's away. Yeah. No, thanks for coming. Thanks for just coming down to Newcastle and hanging out. Absolute pleasure. I'm sorry we can't provide any ambient background noise in any kind of cool way. I think if listeners from last week pay attention, they'll hear me quietly pouring a glass of kombucha and then trying to sneak through. Yeah, you were pretty stealth. You were pretty stealth. I'm quiet. That's about the extent of cool. Like, we're very daggy. We we can't take you anywhere far. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Now, we met for the first time, so I'd seen you a few times, but the first time we actually met was when you played Blackwire Records. It was the first time I ever went to Blackwire Records. Oh, wow. Yeah, true story. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you this in a sec, but you, you're responsible for uh, popping my cherry in two Sydney venues. It was with Isaac Graham and Josh from Paper Arms. Yeah, I remember that. That's all. Going it was on. 2010, I think? Yeah. Put on by a friend of the show, Mr. Mark Gibbons, and yeah, that was the first time I saw yeah. you play. Uh, Did I have a very small baby with me, or was I super pregnant? I think I think the baby was around at that point. <laughs> the baby was hanging out. Yeah, it would have been really little. It must have been the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thereabouts. So, yeah, I think it was 2010 or 2011, thereabouts. But mm. the first time I saw you play was the end of 2008. Uh, you were the first band, like Alaska, were the first band I ever saw play at the Emmondale Hotel. Was that when we played with the new, new pornographers? Did no, Jim Ward. Jim Ward. We played with Jim Ward? You played with Jim Ward and One Small Step for Landmines. I know I played with Jim Ward. I didn't remember the band. Maybe that's why he was so nice to me. Oh, we totally already met. Yeah. Fuck! <laughs> Are you just remembering oh, that now? Oh, rubbish at this! <laughs> I've, got, like, I've got no short term. I'm terrible. Like, and I'm really bad with any kind of memory. I'm rubbish. Like, yeah. it's it's really... Like, people will be like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, do I know you? Or are you just lovely? Oh, uh, that's the worst, isn't it? I'm really bad with, to paraphrase Arnie DeFranco, names and dates and times. Yeah. I'm good with faces. Yeah. So, I'm usually like, this, yeah. I'm just... Vaguely familiar, yeah, yeah. That's answering a lot of questions now. Yeah, I, I played with him again in 2000. 13 or... 12, I think it was, because, yeah. Oh, yeah, Because, yeah, Jim was out here with at the drive-in, and uh, he was making up for a cancelled show Mm. from the start of the year. Yeah, he had to go back home, yeah. Yeah, That was, like, July or June or July? Yeah, 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 Yeah. so it was in July, because he was out here for Splendour in the Grass with at the drive-in. God, I'm glad you're paying attention. (laughs) I'm an SBI, I remember all this shit. He was really... (laughs) Yeah, I'm married to him, you think it'd rub off. (laughs) Sadly not. (laughs) No, I'm shocking... That's all right. Yeah, no, that was that was a that was a really good show. Phil, yeah, sorry. The Lack Alaska days were there was 
Hazy I, Days. I didn't have a lot going on except for that band for like two years. So. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a good starting point. Talk us through the, the formation and the creation of that band. <sighs> I was 16. <laughs> yep. Which is all you probably need to know. <laughs> um, and I I was dating a guy who played in a band with Corey. Right. Um, Corey has <laughs> been a short period as the uh, vocalist for, I guess, like a screamo style. I don't know what, I'm bad with genres these days. <laughs> they were a band, a, a band that had yelling called Drifting Over Brooklyn. Right. And I met Corey and his partner at the time, Amy, and started hanging out with them. They were really into like Bright Eyes and lots of Saddle Creek bands and lots of stuff that uh, lots of sad 16-year-olds were listening to. And so we just used to hang out and play guitar. We, I'd met Lauren through them, who was the drummer, and then uh, Corey actually used to go, went to school with Thomas, the other guitarist, and yeah. he would come down because they lived in this house in Mayfield where we would, it was just, I would just impose myself on them for days of on end, like there was always people sleeping on the couch, or I'd tell the story. I lived under their pool table for a couple of months, which oh, was Jesus. not glamorous. It was on a mattress, but still. And yeah, so we just started playing songs and writing songs. This is like 2006, yeah, I think. Probably early 2006, yeah, because I finished school in 2005. It was just one of those really weird time periods where like nobody else was doing anything else at the band. Like we all had shit jobs that we didn't give a fuck about and of course. we would like literally we'd go to the studio and stay there for like eight hours and drink and play songs and write music it was just really it worked really really well we had everyone just had nothing, <laughs> nothing else going on yeah yeah and i mean we had two couples in the band as well like everyone was just all of the energy was you in, got a fleetwood mac situation. We, were, we were fleetwood mac yeah, yeah. It was, except i really wanted to be stevie nicks and i wasn't i think i was probably i was i was probably one of the boys actually <laughs> You're probably Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm nowhere near as cool as Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> Is anyone? Let's go. Lauren was. Lauren was probably Mick Fleetwood. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. <laughs> I can see but that. Yeah, like we were. We were really. I was really young. Yeah, we were sure. all babies, really. Like yeah, yeah. I realized the other day that I've known Corey for ten years, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm still trying to figure out if he likes me." <laughs> um, <laughs> You can never tell with that guy, can you? He's, he's such a he's, stoic dude. He's he. I think he does. He's <laughs> he's one of the one of the best and just most straight up people you'll ever meet. Yeah, absolutely. Had you been playing music much up until that point, or was it just kind of something that was more of a bedroom thing than a out in the yeah, open well, thing? Yeah, never around other people really. Like I, I've been playing guitar. I got my first guitar on my tenth, tenth birthday, eleventh birthday. Yeah, I can't remember. My old man bought me my first guitar because we did a. Uh, school unit and I'd never shown any I was you know how you do a thing when you're small like your parents make you play soccer or you do ballet or you yeah you're a chess I had no thing when I was a kid I was like no I've quit everything that I ever started no sport no dance no nothing and then when I was 10 I picked up a guitar and I was like oh this is my thing I'll do this thing and so I just played, I literally just locked myself in my bedroom and played Red Hot Chili Pepper tabs for hours and hours and oh, hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good start. Yeah. Mm, arguably. I can hear a lot of John Frusciante in your uh, music. Yeah. Minus heaps of the heroin. Um, <laughs> Most of the heroin. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, every now and then. Yeah, Who yeah, doesn't yeah. just yeah. do a little bit of heroin? <laughs> more, Your weekend heroin. I'm more a strong tea kind of lass. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I hadn't, I didn't really sing or play in front of anyone. I had pretty, pretty, I still have pretty terrible stage fright. So mm. I didn't really, I hadn't really sung for anyone. And then I remember going over to Amy and Corey's house and playing them a couple of things I'd written. And they were like, they were the first people who really 
supported me who went, you've got to do this. Like, this is really good. We think what you're doing is awesome. And I have a really fragile ego. So I was like, this is pretty cool. Maybe if I keep doing it, someone else will tell me that I'm good. Yeah. So that sort of, yeah, I credit, absolutely, they were the whole reason that I'd ever went any further than sitting at home playing fucking bright eyes yeah. weeping yeah. what influenced you to, to keep playing like when I've seen you play you know you've, you've done songs by like Cat Power and Corey Brannon and Arnie DeFranco and people like that were they kind of the people that inspired you to be playing at that point um when I first started or oh at all yeah, yeah. like I'm a huge Arnie DeFranco nerd like yeah. I started listening to her when I was 10 or 12 yeah and yeah. I would watch videos of her play and stuff and that's the reason she's the reason why I play why I finger pick because I had never seen anyone else really play guitar like I hadn't paid attention to because I was playing acoustic I didn't really watch a lot of bands and be like oh I'm gonna be like I don't even know anyone to name drop that's how little attention you know Um, but I would I had a couple of her like bootleg records and there's a few videos getting around and she she will electrical tape fake fingernails to her hand and fit like to her right hand and finger picks with it and she's got like I don't know if you've ever paid a lot of like listened to a lot of her musical or her, especially her live stuff, but she's insane. Like the way she can manipulate she all can the guitars play, yeah. are all tuned differently. So it's a lot. I didn't find that out till like four years later. I just thought she was a wizard and I was crap. Yeah. But yeah, that really probably influenced the way that I write and that I play because I can't. I find it really difficult to use a pick, especially if I'm with a. Now I'm playing with a band. Like I just can't. I drop yeah. it all the time and it goes in the hole and I can't get it. Out. <laughs> But there are a few things more entertaining than watching a guitar, an acoustic guitarist get their plectrum out of the hole. Yeah, I just stop. I'm like, no, I'm thinking now. The rest <laughs> of the song is like this. Um, so yeah, I listen to lots of the, lots of female voices. Like I grew up with lots of female voices. My nan was a big like soul buff as well. So all right. Um, so like Aretha. And... Yeah, Eddie James, Billie yeah. Holiday. Um, I've got a big Billie Holiday portrait tattoo on my back that my kid's afraid of because she's singing and he thinks she's angry. <laughs> <laughs> Screech, she's not, she's singing it. Uh, never mind, I'm just, just look at me from the front. But yeah, like lots of female voices, lots of cat power, lots of mirror, um, lots of right girl, lots of bikini kill, Kathleen Hanna, sure, yeah, Kinney. I, I've always been a cranky feminist, so I gravitated towards women's voices, they were really important to me, and they still are, yeah, um, of course. So even though when I got more into like the punk and hardcore and a lot of old country stuff, there's lots of dudes, yeah, who are awesome, like. There's, like, Lucero is one of my favourite bands of all time. Uh, you know, people who I've been lucky enough to meet and play with, like, Chuck Reagan and Corey Brandon, as you mentioned. Yeah. Frank Turner, lots of people like that. I still gravitate towards women's voices. Like, it's really important for me to yeah, hear... Yeah, it's a chord with you. Yeah, 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 and I think it's 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 part of my politics, and but it's also part of my experience. Like, I'm, yeah. um, you know, awesome people like Lucy Wilson, who is my spirit animal. Like, uh, international people, you get, like, Jenny Owen Young's... Paige Anderson and the family bluegrass that she yeah. did now she's with the Fields Kin and then like people doing like Georgia Mack Beck Stevens Australian women who I get to play with and yeah it's important for me as the cranky feminist to, 100% to have my girl gang yeah that's... totally and no I think that's a beautiful thing especially because I was talking to Michael about this um, about how his his kids like look up to you and you know like you remember the girls to the front um, yeah when... that was that was amazing. Like getting, getting to play to that, that show, gu- getting to pass on that guitar as well. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a really cool thing for me. Like, oh, sorry, we should probably explain yeah. this. <laughs> so, um, 
So we've there's a, a married couple with a, a couple of kids who live in Sydney who are always at my yeah. Sydney shows. Like They're colloquially known as the Smith Street family because once they rocked up to a show all in match, matching Smith they Street shirts. They're like my idols for parenting. They're, it's they're so adorable. Good. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and whenever I see them, like, you know, there's like five of them if they all come. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, one of you pay and the rest of you fine. Like, it's, yes. they oh, And they always make an effort too. Like, I think it's a bit of travel sometimes. Like, especially go like... Parramatta or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at worst, yeah. And um, Sam, Samara, the eldest daughter, or the only daughter, is, I think she's like 12 or 13 now. Yeah. I should know. I'm a bad friend. <laughs> and she's always made an effort to have a chat to me and been really supportive. And I feel, especially now as a mum, like a lot of responsibility, not responsibility, but like I want to, I want her to think I'm I, I want her to think I'm cool, basically. And, but, like, I think that's really rad. And I th- I remember what it's like to be that age and to have all that stuff that happens to you when you're a teenage girl. And I remember looking up to a lot of musicians in the same way, but I never had that tangential experience of, you know, going to see them play and talking to them. And I, I felt kind of, I guess you would call it a responsibility, but, like, a I didn't want to let her down, basically. I didn't want to end up being unfriendly or be a shitty guy or... You know, like I developed this sort of—I guess you would call it a responsibility. Like I, I, I feel really humbled that I get to be that person for someone, and I yeah. did not want to fuck it up. So yeah, um, like they're a really awesome family. They've always been so supportive. And I, when I was moving, was going through a bunch of my stuff, and I have an old semi-acoustic guitar that was the first semi-acoustic I got, and I like. It's not very good, I don't think. I think it was an eBay one. Yeah, yeah. But it's a guitar. I mean, I'm not a tech nerd. To me, a guitar's a guitar. If you can plug it in and it goes, then then you're fine. Yeah, sweet. You're ready. We're off and racing. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you're pretty much ready. And I thought, well, I don't really need it. It's taking up space. I've got my Cole Clark that I play all the time now. Yeah. And um, I just kind of got in touch with her and it was around her birthday. And I was like, look, I'd really love to give this to you if that's not... I mean, if, if you want it. Like, I didn't want to be like, here, kid, and throw the <laughs> jersey. Like, I didn't want it to be like that. I just yeah. thought, you know, if, if you would like it, I would like to give it to you if that's cool. And she was like, yep. Yeah. And I was like, sick. It was my good day for the year. <laughs> oh, yeah, you clocked it. Well, I just, I don't know. I, if that sort of thing happened to me with someone I looked up to when I was 12 or 13, that would have been really cool for me. And so yeah. I thought, it's, there's no real way to say it without sounding a little bit arrogant. I just wanted to do something nice, and I thought... It wasn't that big. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. It's just it was a guitar. Yeah, but it probably was to her, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, well, you know, if, you know they're they're a wonderful family. They're really really amazing people. Like they always make the effort, and that's I know that that's a big deal, especially when you've got kids and when you've got real life and all that stuff. So I wanted to show them that I appreciate. I really, I do. I appreciate all the people that want to come and see me play because I'm, I'm. I wouldn't hang out with me if I. <laughs> if I'd be like, well, I don't know. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to give something back I guess yeah it sounds really cliche no give something back it, it makes perfect sense <laughs> <laughs> we're all friends here we yeah. understand what you're saying <laughs> sorry about that little sidetrack yeah no no it's good so you've got a, a collection of very prominent very strong songwriters you know working in there each has their own moments and things like that I don't know, was it ever a point where you found it difficult to get your voice heard when, you know, you've got so many people and and so many cooks, like, working on the same thing? Not really, which probably sounds odd. Like, we sort of managed to divide the time up so everyone got a pretty equal share of, of stage time, if that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, we'd, do, we'd write a set list and be like, all right, we'll do one of, one of Corey's, one of mine, one of Thomas's. <laughs> really the only reason, I guess, that it might seem like I had less 
time was because I didn't write, I'm not as prolific a writer. Like Corey and Thomas are both amazing writers and they can bang out a song. Whereas I'm really anal and it takes me forever to get something finished. But it was never like, we never really had that competitiveness. I always used to joke that they would just turn each other up constantly because none of us knew how to mix or anything. So we'd be like, I can't hear me. I need to be louder. And, yeah, it was just, yeah. and Lauren, who you can't tell to drum quieter. Like <laughs> I've had sound techs be like, can you get her to... I was like, no. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry, this is what's happening. Yeah, we've been trying. Yeah, no, she's just not going to do... It's not going to get any quieter. Not on, yeah. Does she want to play with brushes? No, she doesn't. She does, does. not. She absolutely doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. We'll see them get out, like, mics to mic up the kit and just go, <laughs> no. You're no, gonna, you won't need that. It's just time that you're going to waste now. We'll be turning them right off when she gets started. <laughs> uh, so, do you remember the first time you, you played publicly? Yes. I know about it. Like, I know. Oh, right. <laughs> I've been informed. <laughs> you to, did you have to get it relayed to you? No, we used to. I We... we played our first show at the Hamilton Station Hotel, which is the pub that I now work at in an extreme example of Newcastle (laughs) (laughs) mentality. Um, With Corey. (laughs) Yeah, Corey makes this. I was less than 18. I was singing a song about being 17 as well during the set, so it was a little bit of a giveaway. I don't don't remember what what we played. It would have been pretty abysmal. I've seen some video footage from some of our earlier shows that was mostly what we did for like the first six months was we just played at the stage because it was a pub we all drank at and yeah. we'd just go there and, and get drunk and play guitar and it was basically like getting band practice paid for sort of for a while because we we'd be doing it anyway we were just grateful that someone wanted to you know you get a couple of drunk people watch you and then slowly people like the same people kept coming back and we got better because I didn't, I had no performance experience before that. Like I'm not trained. I've never done anything really other than like school choirs. Yeah. That, that, like yeah. I'm talking primary school choirs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like I have no, and I still don't have much of a stage presence. Like I don't really know what I'm doing. And I was like 16. I, we were all, and like Thomas was much the same too. He's, he's really come a long way because he was really shy and Amy was behind a keyboard and didn't have a lot of performance experience either. So we just sort of, felt our way through for a while and some of the songs we we had were rubbish <laughs> we were abysmal like we just we were just sort of figuring out how to do it and because we were in that tiny microcosm we had no one to go this is rubbish no we love you we care about you stop doing this yeah 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 so we had a few that were pretty shocking yeah. but i mean every band's got shocking songs what was the first song you wrote we wrote a song called it's never been released it was called 55 hours no sleep which is just what happened while we were writing it we we actually demoed a bunch of of things thank god we never released them Mm. in um the lounge room of that house that everyone lived in wall street there were some clangers there was some (laughs) really really bad like single computer mic recording stuff i actually that reminds me i actually started going over there and spending so much time because i recorded a demo in 2006, Corey wanted to record me. That's that's how we started hanging out so much. Because after yeah. I'd played them some songs, they were like, "You're really good. We should we should record you." And I yeah. went, "All right." What were the songs? They exist. I've seen a picture of someone scanned it on the internet, and it drives me up the wall because I put a comma, like an apostrophe that doesn't belong there after demos. Oh, and gross, I, I look at it and I'm yeah. like, "Oh God!" There was a cover. I think it was an Arnie DeFranco cover, mm-hmm. and then a cut like really old, really bad 15, 16 year old. And if you listen to it too, you, you can. I think you can find it somewhere on the internet. I don't recommend you do it. Um, <laughs> but it's before I smoked. Like it was before I started. Oh yeah, smoking. right. I sound like a choir girl. My register is totally different, and I've got that really affected American accent that everyone does when they start writing songs when they're in their teens and. 
I don't listen to myself a lot ever. No, of course. But yeah, that's pretty that's pretty great. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that they heard that and went, Oh yeah, no, we want to be in a band with you. Yeah. Little did child. It a, <laughs> did it did it take a while to shape that though? You know, especially like playing like alt country music, you know, which is a very Americanized genre unto itself. Well, I th- I think everyone who comes at like a lot of these alternative genres we're involved in will will copy. I think that's mm. how we all start is we we have people we look up to and we incorporate that into our own stuff. I think it takes a really long time to sort of forge your own way. And I was listening to lots of American voices. Yeah, And sure. it's sort of just what you do. Like, there's, you know, successful bands that still do it, really. And I had to be conscious about it. And I'm often, I'm still conscious about it now. I think it's easier, especially if you're doing, like, covers or that sort of thing, to to mimic. Mm. But, yeah, no, it took me a long time to get Lots of the Like Alaska stuff you can still hear has got a few twangy American yeah, things. Yeah, sure. Cause, and it's mostly because I hate the sound of my own voice. Like, I've quite got quite a broad hey gown type like it's not it's not very ladylike and like <laughs> i i don't know i think i think it is something that lots of people do and you've got to sort of think about it it's all part of finding what your sound's gonna be like so take us through touring for the first time i can only imagine you being like 16 17 or whatever you know that's that's like the most exciting thing you could do oh at that yeah point. like we were i'd never I'd been to Melbourne, like, once before. Right, yeah. Um, and we went in 2007. I think we played some shows with Feel Like Us. There was an old, a cafe called Spoon Cafe, mm-hmm. maybe in Brunswick, I think. It's shut. I know it's shut now. But we played there. We played a place called Diego Studios, which I don't remember where it is. And, you know, like, it was just... We were... I was out the, outside the station, like, staying on couches, and it was all that stuff you pretend is really glamorous when you think about being in a band and then you know you get to be 25 and you're like i'm sorry there's no wi-fi here <laughs> um what yeah but it was really it was really fun like we we drove like i remember lots because like alaska toured quite a bit for a couple of years there yeah yeah and we would always drive like we would take two cars and drive up and down the hume like we just do overnight drives we we hired a van a few times which was better because yeah. we had more drivers in the, sure, one, yeah. in the one thing. But I don't, I don't drive, <laughs> and I was, yeah, seventeen. So the first tour was good. I can't remember anything we did, but I'm pretty sure it would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember Diego Studios, and they, they were, they had a bar set up at the studio, which was like an esky, and I remember drinking vodka cruises. And paying like four bucks for a, like a, here you go. Like someone had just been to the bottle over and was like, welcome to the bar that's yeah. at the place. Like, this is great. Perfect. I am 10. <laughs> <laughs> One vodka cruiser. <laughs> One vodka cruiser, please. Yeah, there's a couple of photographs. Some of the earliest band photographs are from that tour. We were staying at our friend uh, George's house. And we're in the back garden there, and it's we are we look like zygotes. We're so young. Like, oh gosh. Um, little tar- I've got no tattoos, so <laughs> oh wow, like, it's a little bit confronting. I'm a clean skin. Well, you just can't see the ones I've got. But, yeah. Mark Gibbons calls those people clean skins. It's it's so it uh, it makes it feel so racist. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, like mudbloods in Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> There's hardly any of them left. I know. <laughs> Yes, Hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. <laughs> You're lucky he hasn't tried to eat the microphone yet. That yeah. might that might come later. I shouldn't I shouldn't jinx. Yeah. Touch wood. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we did we did lots of, of touring, um, which was good because I was not I was it improved my performance a lot. I feel like I can play in front of nearly anybody now. I don't like I couldn't stand up and give a PowerPoint presentation without having a fit. Yeah. But if you give me a guitar, I'm, I'm pretty fine. Like that'd be a shit PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing guitar for yeah, the whole thing. That would... <laughs> Just occasionally stopping to go to the next slide. Click. Yeah, I'll have to get a wireless pointer. <clears throat> But yeah, that was, we, and we did, we played with lots of, like, awesome up-and-coming bands, you know, and we played, like, we did lots of touring with The Overcast from here when they were still around, yeah. Scarlet Fever. Yeah. We did alright, mm. I think. <laughs> At what point did you kind of know that it was coming to an end? Um, I, qu- I quit twice. Um, we really were <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. We, Good um, old man. Everyone was starting to get a little bit older and sort of we, we had other projects or they had like real jobs that require you to not take yeah. two weeks off or just quit and find another one. And just lots of interpersonal stuff after you. I think the band was around we were for like five years on and off and it was a lot of, we didn't have any other mates. <laughs> it's lots of intense personal stuff that comes to a head and we had, you know, a couple of the couples disintegrating and that yeah. led to a bit of you know who would come with a song about who to practice that week and oh, it just got shit. a bit like Ooh. did you guys call each other out on that shit i had an on-stage yelling match with the drummer at one point during one show which was pretty glamorous what you know was that over i don't want to talk about it oh shit <laughs> you brought it up yeah well that, that's a there's a there's a scope of you know it was it was a bit tense for a while yeah but sure. i mean i can say that now because we're all like those people are my family. Like they, I grew up with with them. Really, like yeah. all the time you spend knowing who, finding out who you are, when you're turning into an adult, I spent with them. So they yeah. were around for so much that was so important to me, and they'll always be that family that I have. You know, I don't hang out with a lot of high school friends, or I never went to uni. I don't have that. Yeah. That tribe, the way that a lot of people do. Those those people are my tribe. Those those five people are my family. And, you know, we went through lots of fun and not fun stuff. But, you know, we can not see each other for ages and all get together and have a laugh. We played the reunion the weekender in... When was that? 2013? Yeah, it was 2013. That was all right. Yeah, it was great. No one one got too drunk. No one fell off stage. It was good. No, it was... Yeah, that was great. I can only imagine that would have been great for all of you guys. Yeah, it was really really good to do. And at least once every six months, someone will be like, maybe we should do... And I'm like, no, it's... We don't need to be new- that Newcastle that we keep reforming every eight seconds. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to turn into John Farnham. No, we're not the voice. We're not trying to understand it. <laughs> exactly right. Going through all of that and performing, did that kind of give you the confidence to strike out on your own properly and, and start doing more solo shows and eventually make the record? I had been playing and writing solo stuff either because I just felt like it didn't fit the band or because we were, we were trying to be more... Believe it or not, we were trying to be more upbeat. Yeah. And I, most of the stuff I write is pretty slow. I'd never noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's just this thing. It's just, it's just this thing, color. yeah. And often, like, I would I would play and then, like, Alaska would play. Like, if we just wanted to fill a spot on a bill, they'd be like, Jen, play some covers. <laughs> like, okay. Done. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, Corey and Thomas were like that as well because they're both just so prolific. They write mm. so much stuff. And they're, you know, both of them in and of themselves are a co- one-man cover band. They just have a huge knowledge. And so I was doing a bit more of that. And then the band was like winding down and I was a mum and doing like, it's just, it sounds a bit lazy and it is, but it's just easier to organize stuff on your own. Like I've never, I don't have a lot of skills. Like I can't, (laughs) I can go, I can go and play show and make a bit of money. Like that's very capitalist, but like it's, it's way easier for me to organize myself and, and do that 
that's really the only thing I got going on skill wise. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was just a little bit at the time, I guess more, it made more sense from a strictly structural, the mechanics of it made more sense for me to be doing solo stuff. Cause I didn't, and I didn't have the time to give to a band to practice cause yeah. I was, you know, looking after a baby a lot. They well constantly. They don't go through periods where you can leave them by themselves. No, um, <laughs> not yet. At least well, it's the window. Good. Go to the pub. Yeah, like I, I didn't feel like I had the time to offer other people because my only experience too with being in a band, other than like a couple of punk bands, was was it being like a marriage basically. Like you've got, yeah. you know, you're practicing two or three days a week. You're touring a lot, and you're when you're away, you're away for like, you know, five or six days, which they're only weekend stretches, but still a long time. Yeah, I have to, and I didn't think that I could really do that at that point because I didn't have any time to do anything. <laughs> so. No, completely fair. But I guess you know, with the release of that album, you know, it was it was a chance not only for you to strike out and you know show what you could do on your own, but it was also a chance, I guess, comprehend everything that had happened over the last few years up to that point. Yeah, you know? it was. You know, I've always been pretty transparent about mental health stuff and just general whinginess because I don't have a very good filter I can't I'm not a storyteller I'm very self-involved yeah um if it hasn't happened to me I don't I don't know how to write about it (laughs) I'm trying I'm really trying because I'm running out of stuff to complain about but yeah it was it was it's a very sad record but I was really proud of it and it took me ages to get it done I literally had a baby in the middle of doing it like Mm. I'd bring the two or three month old to mixing be like, Jeff, turn around, I have to breastfeed. <laughs> Bless me. Very good. <laughs> but people, like, really, really connected with that record, like, still to this day, you know. Like... I think it, I think it's, it's stuff, you can tell that it's honest, like, you can, you know, I don't think I'm a great songwriter, but I... I don't. I don't have... <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Um, it's, it's fairly sincere. And I think it's something that everyone goes through, you know, everyone has, like, a shitty breakup or, like, loses a loved one or has a bad day. You know, they're they're pretty common themes, I think. And I think people always, like, I know I always use music to access that. And people, like, lots of people who I at least am around, there's almost that sense of enjoyment in miserable music and that sort of thing. Like, it's it's almost pleasurable to get that catharsis through somebody else's music, I think. What I'm trying now, what I struggle with, is to try and have that but with the positive stuff because I don't I don't really music for me is a tool to get through bad stuff yeah if I'm happy then I'm not writing because I don't have time I'm too busy being amazed that I am not depressed yeah. so I don't you know I don't want to sit down in a dark room and play guitar I want to be happy so <laughs> it's really it's hard for me I, I worry that people just must think I'm like this wreck of a human <laughs> but I'm actually kind of posy it's pretty funny. oh yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah, it was. And it took a long time to get to a point where I, th- I thought, like, I should even record them. Like, you know, they sort of... Because I don't think I'm much chop. I was never like, well, why would I bother? Like, it's, mm. you know... But then, you know, I had some, had some people be like, no, you probably should. That's That's been a constant in my musical career. I need someone to tell me that, that I'm good enough to do whatever I'm doing. Yeah. I need external validation. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely came. Like, you know, people... Really res- have really responded to your music over these, you know, like people playing your songs and uh, people getting tattoos of, of yeah, your lyrics and stuff like that. It's it's a real responsibility. Like it does feel kind of heavy, and it's always a bit hard to believe that I could have that 
level of influence on someone, if that makes sense. Because like, I know how deeply I've connected. I've heaps of daggy band tattoos. Like, mm. how important some of that music has been for me on a, like, survival baseline. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, like, a huge thing to think that the stuff that I really selfishly just created because I wanted, I just needed to get something out of myself could have that effect on other people. Like, that's really humbling. That's that's really... I threaten to quit music every 8 to 12 seconds, but that's sort <laughs> yeah. of the one thing that, that I think about, like, you know... I'd be doing it anyway. Yeah. I may as well see yeah, if I've yeah. got anything to offer anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were touring and performing like prominently under, under your own name, did that, I can only imagine that would have changed a lot, uh, shifting from, you know, having five other people with you into, into just, just touring entirely on your own and yeah, like getting your stuff out there in that regard. Mm. Were there points where you were just like, oh, this is usually the point where someone else would come in and, like, take over, but, you know, this is all entirely on me now. Yeah, it, it is, like, it's a lot harder. Yeah. Um, if you fuck up, it's heaps more obvious because you're yeah. the only one doing anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, the opening seconds of the album is you fucking up. Yeah, that was... I didn't want anyone to get their hopes up too highly. <laughs> but all through the mixing, I was like, Jeff, can you turn me down? He's like, no, no, because then it's silence. You're the only person doing anything. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. have less you in your solo record. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> You do. You have to concentrate a lot more on. And I'm. I if I get stuck, or if I fuck up, I'll lose it. Like I've. Like if I get n- nervous and get like mm. deer in the headlights. Like once I said fuck in a church because I forgot the. I had been specifically told not to swear, and then I remembered that the cover I was playing had a swear word coming up, which caused me to forget the words and then swear anyway. Like that was that was pretty. That was pretty good. <laughs> At that point, I ached for a drummer to be like, boom, ching. <laughs> Nothing, just <laughs> silence and disappointment. <laughs> but at the same time, I kind of like it because I don't... You know, I do both now. I play with a backing band and mm. play solo. And I like to play solo because it's more like a like like a private conversation. It's like a good way for me to... Mm. I can play whatever stuff that I want. Like, it doesn't matter if we haven't rehearsed it or if... Yeah. You know, it feels a bit more intimate to me. Like, I can take it where I want to go and it's way cheaper than going to a shrink. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it does change the way you do things, but because I've been doing it for so long and I think I had the luxury of having that experience with playing with a band, I didn't have to go over the stumbling block of getting used to performing as well as getting used to performing alone. Like I sort mm. of had a bit of notches under my belt already. Is that, a, that's not an expression. <laughs> notch um, in your belt. Yeah. Yes, notches in my belt, not underneath them. Notch in your pants, you don't yeah. need them. Yeah, like I, I was lucky that I had those years of playing with the band first. So it was yeah. only like having to learn half of a new thing rather than, oh shit. Yeah. Baseline. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in the in the last few years, I don't know. Some people kind of view it as as a, as a semi-retirement of sorts. You know, you've toured a lot less, and you've been focusing more on your home life and your family life, and you know, getting married and raising your children, etc. Uh, yeah, my, like, my four-year-old, my thirty-year-old. Yeah, for my pride and joy. <laughs> pride and joy. <laughs> they grow up so quick, don't he's they? In, he's in like the next room. I should not insult him one day. Hi, dear. Hey, babe. Hey, mate. Sorry for calling you a child on the radio. <laughs> He seems fine. He's probably watching wrestling right now. So <laughs> I'm getting in on that as soon as we're done. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm just going to leave. We can wrap that up now if you need to. No, 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 of course not. Yeah, I, it, it but, has been yeah. a change of focus. Yeah. Um, I mean, performing and playing and stuff like that, does, 
I guess, does it still have the same impact on you? Does it still feel the same as it did when you, when you were starting out? Or do you, do you feel like you're kind of just focusing on doing it on, like, it's a less intense relationship? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think when I got started playing music, and I think lots of people who play in bands can probably identify with this. Like, I literally I had nothing else going on. Like, I yeah. was working shitty intermittent jobs. I didn't study... I was just living out of home, I was broke. It's almost like a dependency, like this is the one thing you've got and it's really, really important. It's what makes you feel really good and all the people you love are there with you and you have this community. I know lots of people who I know through music had, you know, this feeling of isolation from other people when they were growing up and then they latched onto this and it's like, shit, yep, I've got it, this is great. This is where all, this is my dopamine button, this is where all my good feelings come from and I want as much of this as I can for as long as I can. And then I so I got older and I had my son and then I met my husband and we got married and I work 40 hours a week at a job I actually like now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I study on my two days off and I still don't drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm busy and not only am I really busy, but there's I just don't have that many problems. Like, I had a, a pretty rough upbringing and like a really hard late teen sort of time. Like, I struggled with lots of different things, like everyone has. Yeah, sure. Um... And it's just sort of, you know, you get your shit together and you start... Other stuff takes priority. Like, instead of only being able to go to music for that release and that comfort and that sense of home, I have a vegetable garden now. And, you know, I've got my husband and my son and my work and the stuff I study that I'm really passionate about. And there are a lot of good sci-fi books I haven't read yet. And it's just... It's not such a desperate need to keep searching for the next song, the next the next show like it's it's not quite so important to me which sounds terrible because I've had so many amazing opportunities given yeah. to me through music and yeah. you know it's taken me 10 years of doing it to say it's it's because I worked pretty hard for some of it at yeah. least some of it at least some of it I sure. put in a little bit of effort <laughs> um, but yeah I guess it's just not as much of a survival mechanism anymore it's still really important there's still mm. nothing better than the feeling of a really good show so you don't think you could ever quit music entirely i threaten it all the time like <laughs> if you ever interview lincoln for this just ask him about that like i irritate him constantly i'll be like well i'm at a show it sucks i haven't sound checked yet i'm in the toilet playing fruit ninja i hate this i'm gonna quit tomorrow he's like please you're done don't, yeah, yeah. Like, I've made my husband screenshot text messages of me after I played a really good show and just been like, remind me that when this is good, it's the best thing that there is in the world. And that I can moan and complain and whine, but there's still not going to be anything better than sharing a stage with Chuck Reagan when you're 19. Or, like, getting to meet nearly everyone in every band you've ever loved and have them be like, that's your, what you're doing is really good. Like, in the same way that you know, I would think about them when I was, you know, if you told me when I was 16, living under that pool table, um, that I would, you know, get to, listening to Lucera religiously, if you told me I would get to play with Ben Nichols, I'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's if. I've said it before that I have, my relationship with music now is kind of like a diabetic's relationship with insulin. Oh, right. I take it regularly, but begrudgingly, so as not to die. Yeah. So yeah, it is it is a different focus and that could that could change again, you know, like once if I work less or if mm. I don't know, Ben ever stops being amazing to me and I have stuff to complain about, then you know, <laughs> it's because my songwriting and everything has always been really personal and mm. I never really thought that much about what other people I didn't really think anyone else would care about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still really dependently tied to where I'm at 
mentally. So yeah. if I don't feel the need to be writing, then I won't be, yeah. which is lazy. But <laughs> Do you think we'd ever see another record from you? Oh, like, yeah, do you think sure. You... Dale's going to punch me out if we don't write. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I've written new material. It's just slow. Like, it's just... Yeah. As I said, it there comes points in your life where it's just... it's It, takes, it has to take a back seat. Like, if I work an 11-hour shift and come home and... I don't want to plunge the depths of my psyche. I want to watch American Horror Story and eat pizza in bed. So, <laughs> and you know that in and of itself is a luxury for me because I didn't have that contentment when I, a lot of the stuff that I was writing earlier was because I was in a really bad place. So, yeah, sure. The novelty of being happy hasn't worn off yet, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's yeah, a- <laughs> and I'm lucky because I did a lot of touring and writing. I'm still really young, and I can kind of cherry pick the shows like that I want to play, it's not... You get less bad shows if, yeah. you're, if you're not just playing... If you're not just saying yes to everything, yeah. so... I mean, you're playing with Frank Turner again in a couple of days. Yeah, on Thursday. That'll yeah. be good. And John Snowgrass, who I haven't... I've listened to for a long time and, and haven't ever got to see, so... I mean, there's that sort it's of... It's the first time he's ever been out here, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, that, again, is, like, stupidly lucky. I'm really terrified you're going to have people listen to this and I'm going to seem like I'm ungrateful, and that's not... No, I'm, I'm not, not I'm just, yeah, a lot of it... Like, I, sometimes I feel like I am ungrateful. I'm just lucky that I grabbed onto some coattails early. <laughs> They've been dragging me around ever since. <laughs> A decade of dragging around. Pretty much. Coattail rider extraordinaire. <laughs> Haunted by the ghosts of my more famous friends, as Wags would say. <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful note to go out on. Now, before we wrap up, you're next in line for the routine question that gets asked of every single guest. I need to know about your best and worst gig experiences. Any band, any place, any time, anywhere in the world. I can tell you, I can immediately tell you my worst one. Oh, this will be good. (laughs) When it's immediate, you know it's a good one. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. So, it's funny because it was on a really great tour. I was in Byron Bay with Pinch Hitter and we played at a restaurant that was not prepared. I don't even like thinking about it. They were not, they did not realise that the show was going to be a show. And I had, like, they, like people were sitting down and eating during while I was playing. And I had literally, like, two two separate people started singing Happy Birthday during my, like, they brought out a cake and, like, in the middle of a song. And I was like, oh, should I wait? Like, I'll just wait. And they, you know, sang the whole thing and blew out the cake candles. And I was like, oh, that was a bit embarrassing. Back to the set. And I got to the last song of my set. And someone else brought out a cake. It was like every motherfucker's birthday. Oh my god. Yeah, and they just sat and I just went, I'm just going to stop. And I just stopped and drank heaps of mulled wine after that. I was like, I'm done. That's, that's... Oh shit. But you need that. You need you need, you need need the humble. Because otherwise you, you know, you can't always play with Frank Turner. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be drowned out by someone in Byron's birthday party. And let's not forget, for every happy birthday, there's an I'm box and you can all get fucked. Yeah, that... <laughs> That, we, One of the greatest songs of yeah, all time. We, it was because I t- I'd never had a song written about me, and he was like, "I'm not going to do an English accent because he'll be really offended, and I'm bad at it." He's like, "Well, I'll write a song about you." And we had had a lot of tequila, and I'm a better mum than you now. Yeah, it's yeah, you can, it's like on Blast FM and stuff. I'm like, who is ripping these videos? It's just, <laughs> what is going on? And the best show was probably probably the revival tour. I think being part of that and that oh, was sure. that was not even like I played like one song. That was just fun to be a part of. Like a lot a lot of the time, music can be like I find it not alienating, but like you know you get to a show and you just haven't gelled with whoever's there and like what's happening is cool, but you're you know you're itchy or you 
too hyper aware of all the movements your body's making mm. and you're, mm. you know, you feel uncomfortable and people are bumping into you and you're like, well, this is great, but I wish I stayed home and listened to the record. <laughs> um, and that, those shows on that tour were like, I don't rem- that was like a resurgence of the sense of community. I felt during like a lot of the early poison city days when we were, like Alaska was playing and everyone was your mate. And even if you hadn't met them before, there was like this commonality of, we're here for this and this is awesome and there was no dickhead well there probably were dickheads but we were they weren't anywhere near me um and just the revival tour shows like just that vibe chuck's created this great creature that transcends all these national like everyone was just so stoked and there was a lot of like like amazing songwriters sharing really intense things with the crowd and like tim barry on those shows was oh yeah phenomenal like i ugh. He's such an amazing performer, and he gives so much of himself. Oh, yeah, to a crowd. Yeah, like, there's no. I really admire that honesty. That's something that I want to work towards as a performer is having that frankness of being able to just. This is what it is, and I'm giving it to you because it's important to me that I get it out. You know, and th- just so much of those shows were just. It was a really good example to me of how collaborative writing and touring, and you can get that back. Like because for me, that was something that I felt like was missing so it was I and mean, it was amazing to be able to like get up on the stage at the art house and play frank turner's guitar and have yeah todd bean jump on the pedal steel behind me while i was playing and start did you know he was gonna do that no <laughs> no and i nearly dropped the fucking guitar like um matt from the arty actually sent me a recording of it afterwards and it's like one of my most prized possessions i know i like i get drunk and listen to it it's horrifying i'm such a dag <laughs> like i'm such a dag it was just it was really really good to be part of that i think that's something because my relationship with music is really caught up with mental health and yeah. and being in a good space or a bad space. Like, when mm. you have a show like that, it's just sort of a reminder, like, this is why I don't go to raves and I'm not an accountant. Like, okay, <laughs> no, I've made the right decision. This is why you do what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they can be really rare, but I think that's... I think it's more important that they're rare, because if it happened all the time, mm. well, it would be special. You, you've been able to do that for me a lot of the time. Over the dozen plus times that I've seen you now. Thanks, Dave. No, you're welcome. Like, you've made one of my favourite records of all time that I constantly, constantly go back to and I constantly revisit and I know every last bit of down to the tiny little guitar parts and the harmonies. It's just something that became a huge part of my... I can't imagine my life without that record and without constantly going to see you play and, you know, all the times that I travelled and it was always worth it. So I wanted to thank thank you you so much for that. Well, that means a lot to me because I know... That it's it's important to have that, like it's as someone who loved music, loves music still. Yeah, that connection with other artists for me was really important, and to feel like I can give a little bit of that to someone else is an incredible, crushing responsibility, <laughs> but also really cool. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're so welcome. Thank you, Jen, so much for your time. I really, 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 Not a really appreciate it. Let's have a cup of tea. Let's do that. I'm David Jem Jones, and all my friends are fun. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com. Alright, let's make the magic happen. Okay. Do I need... I don't... I'm not...
I normally do email interviews, so if this is shit, I'm sorry. It'll yeah. be completely fine. It'll probably be shit. <laughs> It'll be at least a bit shit. <laughs> I can deal with a bit shit. Tell me a bit shit. There'll be a shit bit. Ooh. That'll be a bit shit. Oh, I've had the shit bits. I live for the shit bits. That frightens me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Wake up! Makeup. You want to do? I don't think you trust. Good song. Not true. So frightened of that little bass player when I was like. Oh, Shalvo like, yes. He's just so what into it. What's he doing? Why doesn't he blink? And fucking look, Darren Malik him with all like the paint all over him and shit. They were the scariest band. That was so life. heavy. I was like, this is fucking sick. Yes. I'm eleven. Wow! I have a lot of feelings! <laughs> and it can only be summed up with the power of... of Armenian nu metal. Yes. 